today's, today's message is really going to be a primer for the next several weeks. Starting at the beginning of the year, we're going to do 10 weeks looking at the miracles in the book of Mark. And that is God calling us into a space, which I think you're going to feel and know and experience. And today is just a, a, a primer for that, for that series. Rounding out our year and a call into many of the opportunities that are happening in just, as Melinda said, just this next week. So you can think Wednesday night at 7 this week. You can also think the following week, 7 a.m. So just think 7. If you're wondering, God's number, 7. What time should I come to church? 7, right? So hitting those moments. So today I want to talk about your eyes, your actions looking this way. Lord, your eyes, give me your eyes, but not just yours, your actions. Your eyes, your actions. And then you know, because we're here and we're applying this, I'm going to talk to you about your eyes and your actions. In some of the interventions that I do when I'm invited to help someone come alongside and journey with them, a technique to help someone is that you can support their self-efficacy, like what they can do. You can, we had the letters the same, you can roll with resistance when people push back. But also you want to develop discrepancy. Discrepancy. Like here's where I want to be, here's where I am, what's the difference? That's simple, right? Makes sense. Here's where I want to be, Here's where I am. Here's the difference. My son comes to me and says, I want to buy that $150 pair of shoes. I need those shoes. I'm like, how much money you got? 40 bucks. No, what you need is 110 bucks. Right? 150 is what I need. 40 is what I've got. The discrepancy is the difference. And it is beautiful that this time of year, this is the beautiful part of the rhythms of life, the beautiful part of the seasons. Not just another trip around the sun, but an opportunity to recalibrate and renew and restore and, and refresh our mind. And frankly, without guilt or shame, look at the difference between where I'd like to be and where I am. And putting those together. Earlier in this past year, Deli and Melinda and I were in a room with John Maxwell. He's a leadership guru and author, and we were in Birmingham. We were in a, a room with him, and he was asked, he told us this story, he was asked uh, what he thinks about 30 minutes before he speaks. So before he actually gets up and the guy's delivered, you know, 12,000 uh, speeches and messages and sermons in his life, that kind of deal. But before he gets up, like 30 minutes before, a young man approached him. He says, what is it that you're thinking about? Like, are you thinking about your notes? Are you, are you thinking about the message? And, and he says, uh, you no. Know. He said, 30 minutes before I speak, I sit off stage. I sit in the green room. I'm in the back office somewhere. He said, I think about the people. I sat there, I said, I know my message, I know my notes, I got my content, I got notes in front of me, like, I'm good with all that. The speech is not the problem, the message is not the problem. I think about the people. That hit me. I do that in here with you sometimes. Throughout the week, I'll be thinking about a message. But almost every Sunday, I get a face or two. And that is the focus for me in delivery and how I share. It's that, it's that guidance of I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about your story. But you know what else? There's another part of me, <clears throat> lest you think <laughs> I'm so dandy at that. There is another part of me that I realize that often I will not remember a person's name. If that's you, now is not a good time to laugh, raise your hand or anything like that. Just keep it down, okay? <laughs> Someone will be introduced to me and I realize that two minutes later, I do not remember what they just said when they were this far away and told me their name. And it happened enough 
that I began to stop and go, what is the problem, a.k.a. what is my problem? Did a train go by, blow the whistle, and I just didn't hear? Uh Uh-uh. It's an issue of focus is what I realized. I realized that while I'm shaking your hand, I'm thinking about, is my grip strong? (laughs) Am I making eye contact? Is my posture squared? Is my voice resonant? Like, who am I? I'm thinking about me. I'm in an interaction with someone, and I'm thinking not about them. I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about how I present, how I'm looking, what I'm speaking. They're giving me information, not least of which would be their name. (laughs) I've become a little bit more forgetful, but two minutes later, come on. Right? Like, I just wasn't focused on them. I realized I was focused on me. Now, if you've been wanting to memorize Scripture in 2023, I'm going to give you a chance, okay? Now is your chance. You're welcome. Throw this up here, please. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. If you need to memorize a Scripture, this is it. It's the entire verse. Now, in the King James and the ESV, it's a little bit harder. It's 50% harder, actually. There's one more word up there. Pray without ceasing. How many of us memorized that verse? That's the way we memorize it. Pray without ceasing, right? That's what, well, we made it even easier. Just pray continually. The NLT says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Leave that up there, please. We're encouraged. We're directed. Are we even commanded to pray without stopping? To pray continually. Remember that thing I brought up before? You need 150 bucks, you got 40 bucks? (laughs) Scripture directs us, commands us, encourages us to pray continually. That's the marker. Where are we in here? Again, not guilt or shame. I tell folks when we do work, a lot of you know that I do work with people that struggle with addiction. And so we look at where they are and where they want to be. And I tell them, this isn't a shame exercise. It's a data collection event. (laughs) That's how I say it. This is a data collection event. It's not shame. I want to be praying here. I feel called to be praying here maybe even directed, encouraged, commanded to be praying here. And then the question is, where am I? I want to focus on you. I want to be about you. But when I shake your hand, where am I? How am I living in that space? One of the biggest realizations that you may receive this morning is that prayer is not just talking. Prayer is not just talking. Prayer is listening. And it's not even really 50-50 listening. Like I'll talk a little bit and you talk a little bit, okay? And I'll talk a little bit and you talk a little bit. Like that's what we do with etiquette, right? There are three or four people around the table and one person talks and then we pause and let someone else share and then someone else talks and we just kind of go around. We're sitting there for an hour drinking coffee, But prayer is not just about talking. And if your prayer life is a prayer life of you constantly talking, I'm going to do a clinical intervention for you here. You ready? Stop it. Stop. Because you are hanging out with the greatest of all time, and you're talking. Now, possibly you're talking because you think you need to inform the greatest of all time. But we know we don't. We're not telling him anything he doesn't already know. And through years of doing this, I have also come to realize that I don't actually love people more than he does. And sometimes in prayer moments, and I've seen it with other folks as well, I actually believe that we must think that we care about our family more than he cares about our family, which, think about that a second, 
So if I'm giving him the lists, and that's my download for him, like, here you go, Lord, I need to update you. You laughed a minute ago because it's comical. It's silly. Now, to invite him into spaces, yes. But give him a download of info? I don't think he needs it. And when I'm with him, what I want is to listen. That's how I can pray without ceasing. I can listen. I can be available. How many of us carry one of these? How many, when we pass, they're going to have to surgically remove it from our body? That's prayer. If someone calls me, I answer. And I can make calls. And it's there. It's with me. These moments of prayer... I mean, haven't we all had, haven't we all, don't we all have that friend who calls and then they say all that they need and then they go, oh, good talking to you and hang up. Let me have that friend. Now, now, the truth and just joke is if you're thinking about who is my friend that does that and you're not coming up with anybody, <laughs> you might be the friend, right? I mean, that's the idea, right? So, we know that folks just come, show up, unload, get it off their chest, vomit all over the tabletop, and leave. That's not what prayer is. There are moments when I thought I was going to throw up on the floor. Honestly, I was just like, oh, oh, praying such great strain. My face was in the carpet. I was putting everything in my life on the, on the table in prayer. I get it. But this praying without ceasing part is I'm talking, I'm listening. So it can be continual. And you know what? I think that most of us in here actually want to live like that. Without the pressure, without like, okay, back to the mines today, here we go. No, 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 no. It's walking without talking all the time. And listening and being present and quiet. Quiet to listen. If anyone has parented, been parented, or watched someone parent. <laughs> You're making a point as the parent and someone younger than you are is coming back with information. And I have had to at times, possibly, said, you're not listening to me. You're not, you're not listening. I'm, I'm telling you this. I'm, I'm helping, I'm informing you, and yet you continue to talk. Crazy. When's the last time you thought a prayer about that, right? Like, be still and know that I am God. There is a beauty in the moment of listening. Second thing, in our praying, who are we focused on? In other, words, in other words, who or, or what are we thinking about? Are you acting like John Maxwell or are you acting like Andy Smith? Are you acting like John Maxwell who 30 minutes before his message is thinking about the people? Or are you acting like I am when I go up to someone and shake their hand and I'm thinking all about how I'm presenting and my handshake and my eye contact? I'm not thinking a thing about them. And as such, I can't remember a thing when I leave. So where are we in that space? Because I believe I know where I want to be and I know where you want to be. Give me your eyes. Just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. Everything that I've been missing, give me your love for humanity. Give me a heart for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can So prayer is not just talking. Prayer is listening. And I encourage us all in this coming year, pray more, listen more. Talk less. Quick to hear, slow to speak. In fact, I'll just give you a little insight. I'll pull the curtain back on my praying. I'm waiting to hear the Lord's prompt so that I don't have to say quite as much. When I'm doing spiritual warfare, I'm not like rocking it out, God, like, hey, come follow me. I got this. I'll tell you what's happening. Here's where we're going to go. I'm not the lead on that team. I'm not the lead on that assault. 
I'm waiting to hear his voice. And when I get a Holy Ghost prompt, I am speaking that prompt. But I am waiting to hear it. I'm talking, listening. But when I get that download, I get that nudge, I get that prompt, I think it's this or this or this. And the Lord says, no, actually it's this. Awesome. Bam. On it. Let me invite you into that space, Jesus. Let me invite you into that moment. What's amazing about this, the, the, the miracles, I said it in the last several weeks, what's amazing about the miracles of Jesus, he wasn't planning to do most of them according to the reading. He's like heading to the grocery store and somebody calls him over, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, okay. Someone stops him. There's a, a funeral and they stop him. The woman touches him. Jairus comes to him and says, my daughter, would you come? Like uh, the Syrophoenician woman, even the dogs, get the, like people were interrupting Jesus' movement. There is one time, and we talked about it, where he goes to the pool and he looks at the man who's been there 38 years with an infirmity. And that's a time that Jesus, like he initiates. He's like, you want to be healed? That's not the normal story. Now, there were so many people healed in the Bible, it says the world couldn't even contain the books. So we only know the ones that we know. But it is excellent to invite Jesus in. But I don't know how eh, wise it is to go to inform him today, go to pray early so he gets a good start on it. No, it's listening. And in our praying, who are we focused on? So one of the things I love to do, I love to take prayer drives. Has anybody done a prayer drive? You're like, I don't know what that is. It's when you drive and pray, right? I love to take prayer drives. I, when, when, we, when we were starting a church and planting a church, and you know there were 12 people and you could all fit in the van, that kind of deal, we'd put everybody in there. And then as it got a little bit bigger, 20, 30 people, we'd take three or four cars. And then we kind of follow each other. And we just take parts of the city and drive around. And we've done that here in the past. I don't know that we've done it lately. But I love to take prayer drives. It's such a beautiful way to practice, to practice the awareness of God and others. When I'm driving, I don't know who I'm going to see. I don't know the situation that I'm going to come across. I don't know where I might feel prompted to slow her down and pray. I've been on prayer drives, and I can see him right now in my mind. A man pulled up to the curb, suit jacket, literal like briefcase, got out of the car, walked up into his house. I'm driving by and I'm praying. Do I know that person? Absolutely not. I do not know them. But I'm listening, you see. I'm seeing someone and then I'm listening. What do you want me to pray? You've intersected us in this moment. So it's training ourselves to see other people. They become our focus. And that's why we're outside the church building and we're moving about. So I just hop in the car and I will drive around. Now, we all hop in the car and drive around. We all do that. And I don't do this every day by any means in the sense of going on a prayer drive today. But there are moments, and I would encourage you to step into some of them, where you're just in the car and you're like, I'm going to drive and pray. And I'm going to not come with an agenda of prayer. I'm going to let you bring your agenda to me. I'm going to let you bring who you want me to pray for across my path. Show me what you're doing. Also, it's training about this God awareness, right? What is he saying to me? How is it when I see someone, I'm being prompted to pray? When we do Freedom Weekend and we do the Freedom Sunday, and, and many of you, just because it happened a few weeks ago, got to participate in this. And there were red shirts all around the front, right? And I tell folks, that's the easiest job of the whole thing. The easiest job in that whole weekend, now it's pretty intense. I'm not saying it's not intense. But it's the easiest job of the whole thing. Because you show up and someone comes to you and you're like, what's the Lord talking to you about? And you tell me, and then I listen and I pray. It's almost like hear and repeat. It would almost be like, I did this one time in the Navy. I've shared this story before. Uh, we were going into... Uh, uh, Italy, and we went through the Straits of Messina, and we had the destroyer, and man, the traffic there, oh my goodness, big boats, little boats, tankers, little fishing trawlers, 
you're not wanting to hit any of those things, right? Big boats or little boats. And we're working through and we're going up alongside a supply ship, an American supply ship that was on the dock and we're docking next to it because we were just doing an overnight and then we're gone, right? I've got the con. Do you know what that means? I am the one going left full rudder, all back one third, I'll stop. Port engine ahead one third, starboard engine back. Like I'm the guy calling the shots. Do you feel the pressure? <laughs> oh my gosh, I was 23 years old. I didn't, I didn't know anything. And I'm out there, I've got the con, I've got, the, I've got it. I'm an ensign. I'm an, a, the first officer rank and I'm standing there with this deal and we're in Italy and none of these people know how in danger they are, none of them. And so I'm pulling up my captain who finally ended up a three-star admiral. Captain Barry McCullough, he's standing there. He's like, all back, Smith. All back. <laughs> Port engine stop. Port engine stop. Left full rudder. Left full rudder. Increase to 35 degrees. Increase 35 degrees. We landed her perfect. And when it, we, we tied her up, and they, they hit the horn, you know, let you know everything's safe. You popped me in the arm. Good job, man. Walked off the bridge. That's what I think a red shirt is. That's what I think prayer is, frankly. You want me to pray this? I'll pray it. You want me to pray that? Okay, you're prompting me here? Yes, sir. Got it. Got it. He and I both knew what was going on there. I didn't walk around and go, ha, 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 next time. I was just listening and repeating. Psalm 77, verses 11 and 12 in the NLT. Throw it up there for me, please. Then I recall all you've done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. These two verses that the psalmist says, I'm thinking about you all the time. I can't even, I can't even start to forget how good you are. We live in an awareness of what he has done and what he can do. We're supposed to be walking around in that awareness. Anybody else? It's totally true for me. I can forget that I have the Holy Spirit in me. I can forget that I am in relationship with the greatest of all time. Now, if someone bumped me and said, are you in relationship with the greatest of all time? I wouldn't go, hmm, uh, ooh, can a minute? You know, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. But my, but my, but my actions, my actions show that I just forgot. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm the prince of sinners with, I don't know if I'm the, okay, Roger that. I'll just continue to repeat and do what I'm told. How about that? Is that good? Okay. All right. In those moments, I forget. And I know I forgot because of the way I act, because of the anxiety I feel. Because anxiety is different than fear. Anxiety is the fear of a fear. <laughs> like, uh-oh, nothing's changed at all in the room, but it could. Nothing's changed at all, but well, it's done it before. It could do it again. That kind of anxious lets me know that I am not casting all my care on him. That kind of anxious lets me know that I've forgotten his mighty works. I have forgotten who I'm working with and who's working in and through me. That's why December 31st is such an excellent day. It's like permission. It's permission. It's like a, it's like a reset on your video game. It's like, man, I was veered way off. And then all of a sudden... Bam, I get to just, boom, come right back to center. I get to come back to a moment where I look at where I want to be and where I actually am. When I think about this, you know the commercial, it's a little dated right now, but what's in your wallet? 
How about spiritually? How about spiritually what's in your wallet? Like what's in your mind? What's in your heart? What's in your prayer? Right? And we can stop and look and listen. We all veer off. What's so amazing, all these nautical examples here I'm giving you today, these one degree off, two degrees off, 365 days later, instead of hitting South Africa, you're in Spain, like you're way off, just a few degrees. But when it goes longer and longer and longer and longer, and December 31st, what a gift, what a gift for us to go, okay, I veered a little bit here. How many times do I need to say this is not about shame? It's not about shame. It's like, oh, okay, thank you, Lord, for the gift of seasons. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of start over, the gift of reset. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 38 to 40, I want to read this with you. This is the story of Saul and David and Goliath. Saul gave David his armor. This is before, of course, before David goes to Goliath. He's out there and he's like, I'm going to whip this old boy. And they're like, you're a kid. Come here, let's help you. The rest of us are too afraid to go, but come on, we'll get you something. Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on. Can you see it? put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Hold that there. Ben, come here. Okay, here's David, here's Saul. All right? Come on. This isn't like, this isn't like, the three-year-old. You think this kid can't wear what I wear? What? Look, I mean, look. This is David, and I'm Saul. Okay? 55 years old, king, ruler. What's the picture that we have? Like he's two and a half feet tall and weighs four pounds? Like what? This kid could wear the stuff. You see? Thank you. Thank you for being my size. He could wear the exact thing. It wasn't like it wouldn't actually fit. It wasn't like he's as strong as I am and couldn't fill it out. But what's it say? I can't use these. I'm not used to them. I'm not used to them. There's two things going on in this story. Number one, the question of what was he used to? What was David used to? He's going to do something for God. It's about to go down. What is he used to? What has he used before? What worked all the helmet, the sword? It wasn't like it didn't fit. I mean, you see a, a big man put on a suit, jacket, and they give it to their seven-year-old, and it just swallows them up, like the arms are hanging off. It's all, you know, that's not what we're, he's a, He's a teenager. He's a strapping teenager that whooped a bear and a lion. You think that kid didn't have some juice? But he hadn't used those things. So that's one thing to note. He wasn't used to them. My question would be, what are you used to regarding prayer? What are you used to, spiritually speaking? Is this totally new? Is it completely foreign? And if you are praying, how are you praying? Like, that's the call. Like, what's happening? The Goliaths that are falling, the stuff that's being put aside, the victories of Jesus. And then, frankly, it's very important to look at, David didn't trust the armor. What had he used? Well, it goes on to say that he, go ahead, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them in his shepherd's bag, and then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight. 
with the Philistines. He picked up the things he'd used. Now, here's the deal. Over the next several weeks, we are going to pray the pain off the wall in here. We are going to show up and listen. The presence of the Lord was here so strong yesterday morning. We do 10 o'clock prayer on Saturday. And standing right in this aisle, I walked up and down this aisle for about a half an hour. And the presence of the Lord was so, it was strong, strong. It was bring it on strong. It was that kind of thing for me that day. That's, what's going, that's the environment that's going to be in this building in the month of January. That's what we're calling you in to be a part of that space. So that you could say right now, and I'm not used to that at all, bro. You're, ah, poof. February 1st, I would love to hear you say, oh, I'm used to that. I'm used to praying like that. I know what I'm feeling in here. Do you know why we do Family Sunday, Second Sunday? And when something happens and we have to have our students and kids up here Fourth Sunday, and sometimes even Fifth Sunday, it doesn't bother me at all. You're saying because my children are grown, that's not the reason. That's not the reason. It doesn't bother me when our kids are up here. I love Family Sunday. Love it. I love when our kids are in this space. There's a reason that we intentionally have them singing with us and praying with us. Because I want our kids, and I want them to be up here the whole thing, at least once a month. Because I want them, when they're older, to be able to walk in a space, feel something, sense God, see what's happening and say, oh, I'm used to that. I'm used to that. Some of us have been blessed, and I mean it, blessed, to walk next to mighty men and women of God. And some of you in here didn't have that, but you found those people in this congregation. You have found people that you nuzzle up next to so that you can become used to it. You hear someone praying, and you're like, I don't pray like that. I need to pray better. I don't pray like that, and I'm going to connect with that person. You see someone loving God in a way or serving or ministering in a particular way, and you see them, and you're like, that's my story 1,000%. I saw people doing stuff, and I'm like, I am right there, pal. I invite myself into families. I invited myself into situations. I saw something happening, and I'm like, I don't do that, and I want it. I want to be used to it. Things spiritual, moves of God, hearing the voice of God, power and prophecy and spirit. I want to be around it. You're going to have an opportunity, a focused opportunity, because not just the 21 days, not just Wednesday, deeper still this Wednesday, and not just the 21 days of prayer and fasting, but in January, we're starting a 10-week series on the miracles of Mark. A 10-week series on the miracles of Mark. We are going to take the first 10 chapters of Mark and we are going to look at the miracles of Jesus. And it's not an educational thing so you can do better at Jeopardy. It is so you can be invited into a space, hear my words, of being a miracle worker. It's an invitation for you to step into a space of spirit I have thousands of miles on me, and I could, I could fill up your whole day today and probably tomorrow telling you stories, not the stories I've done, but the stories I've been exposed to, the moments when I was in a ministry or I was in a place. I was telling someone recently, Melinda and I, I was about 30 years old. And I, went to, I was invited to do this thing. We'd do it three, four times a year. We'd lock ourselves in a church for seven days. There were cots in the gymnasium. It'd be like Romine Hall. They just set cots out. You turned in your watch. You turned in your cell phone. That's enough right there to break us down, right? We turned, turned in your watch. Turned in your cell phone. Guys in one big room and gals in another big room, even husbands and wives. They were in just different parts of the building. Didn't have to worry about food. We were fasting all week. You showed up on Sunday or Monday morning, turned in your watch, turned in your phone, found a cot, met the guys you're sleeping with in that room, and it, that was it. For, for five, six days, you didn't have any idea what time it was. 
people would say, grab a couple hours of sleep, and they'd wake you up. You didn't know if it was 2 in the morning, 5 in the morning, 10 in the morning. You didn't know, and you didn't even care. And you go down and listen. There'd be teaching and ministry and stuff. And I'm sitting there the whole time trying to figure it out. It was like a chem lab for me. It was like a chemistry lab, and I'd sit there, and I'd, I'd sense God moving in a particular way. And I'm like, I wonder if that's, and I'd think about what I thought it was. And sometimes I was right, and I learned discernment. And sometimes I was not right, and I learned discernment. And we're in these spaces. Your prayer life changes when you pray and when you pray with people. <laughs> There's an experiential power of prayer. Now, he took five stones. You know what that means? How many did it take? One. He didn't know that. He didn't know that. I'm trying to be super, super practical. He's like, I can't use that sword and helmet and all that mess, but I'm going to grab me five stones. Not one stone. He took five. I'm not acting like we all know everything that's going on all the time. We don't. That's what makes it spiritual. We don't actually know what's going on. That's what makes it spiritual. So I got five stones. I've trusted these. Trusted these. The combination of practice and exposure. Arnett, come on up, buddy. Wouldn't we be so much more spiritual if we were walking with Jesus literally? Like literally, like Jesus, however you picture him, white robe, blue sash, whatever, however, you know, the Jesus. If we were walking with him literally, wouldn't we be so much more spiritual? And we, we, would, we would think so. We would think so. But hang in here with me as we close out today. In Mark chapter 9, a man brought his son who had a suicidal spirit. He would throw himself in the fire and he would throw himself in the water. And he brought his, his son to the disciples. What was the outcome of that interaction? They couldn't get it done. Mark chapter nine. That's gonna be one of the things we talk about in this, in this series. They bring this boy to the disciples and they couldn't do it. Mark chapter 9. But interestingly, the story is also told in Matthew 17. Now that's what's important. Mark chapter 9 is my favorite storyline to reference. But in Matthew 17, it's told also. Except, if you're a student of the scripture, and if not, I'm going to help you here. Matthew 17, Matthew 10. Which one comes first? Matthew 10. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gives the disciples power over spirits. Hang in here with me. Listen, if you're hungry, if you're not hungry, now might be a moment to check out. Or if you think you might want to be hungry, now would be a moment to listen. If you think you are hungry or you know you're hungry and something's drawing at you right now, please listen. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gave them power over spirits, so much so that they went out and came back, and he was rejoicing. They said, even the devils are subject to us. And Jesus danced and sang when he heard that news. Matthew chapter 10, the story of the boy with the suicidal spirit is Matthew 17. Did they have success with things spiritual? Clearly. But later, and I don't know how much later, but later, they couldn't get it done. Something else was in play. In fact, Jesus says this to them, because that's one of the stories when they couldn't do it, right? And then they came back to him later, and they said, why couldn't we do this? What's he say? Two words. This kind comes out by two words, prayer and fasting. You see, there is a this kind of deliverance that God is calling somebody to, and I am one of those people. And I'm not the only one in the room, but there is a this kind of deliverance that God is calling you to. I can feel it. I tangibly feel it right now. Calling us to. 
You see, they had successes. with Demons were subject to them. They were like, woo, man, we cleaned house. <laughs> and then something was brought to them, and their gun didn't have any bullets. They couldn't do a thing. And Jesus says, this kind comes out only through prayer and fasting. And I began to continue to consider this. And I want you to think about this today. I'm inviting you to be here on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock to pray. I'm inviting you to start with us next week, 21 days at 7 a.m. And if you can be here at 7 a.m., great. And if you can't, you can watch it on your phone and pray. You can watch it later and pray. We live stream an hour of prayer from Birmingham, Alabama, and we pray with them. So you can catch it anytime during the day. It's nice if you're here. It's nice for you and everybody else if you're here because of that thing that's just not the same in your car. I'm pretty sure everybody understands that. So we must realize that we're being called something that is about this kind. You see, the disciples in Jesus, they were living a communal life. I want you to think about this as we close today. Jesus wasn't a traveling evangelist. <laughs> Right? He wasn't some dude that preached and came in later and saw him every six weeks and like gave him a big download and took off. They lived a communal life. They lived together. They ate together. They traveled together. They slept out under the stars together. It was just this big group of people. They did everything together except pray. They did everything together. <laughs> they were on the boat together. <laughs> they, they, they traveled together. They went through the city together. They ate together. They didn't pray together. Many times, if you're a student of Scripture, many times you know it said Jesus went alone to pray. There is a reason that Jesus could do what Jesus did. And it wasn't because he's Jesus because Jesus said that we can do greater things than he did. So it's not because he's Jesus. It's because he prayed and he fasted. And the guys just didn't come with him. Time after time, he'd be alone. One time, beginning of the book of Mark, he heals all these people in a city, and then he goes out early in the morning to pray, and it says the disciples come to him out into the wilderness. They come to him, and they say, Master, the whole city has come out for you. Please come back. And he's like, no, I'm glad you're here. Now I don't have to come back and get you. Our job is to go to a different city. I'm following the leading of the Spirit. We're going here. Glad you're here. Let's go. When they're in the storm, Jesus is on the mountain. He walks across. He's praying. And they're not there. Classically in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's asking them, guys, pray with me. They didn't. How many times? Two, three times he asked them? Possibly because they were only doing what they were used to. They are just doing what they were used to. We're used to sleeping while you pray. I know you just invited us to pray, but we're kind of used to sleeping while you pray. Here's my encouragement, okay? Don't sleep while we pray, okay? I don't know if it can be any more clearer than that. Like, please, join in that space with prayer and fasting. So today is the day that we finalize all those resolutions. For people that are traveling today, and listening to this. For people that are not feeling well and you're home and you're gonna to listen to this later. For people that weren't able to even be in here or people that are, that are serving. Some of the faces that came to me this morning about this message are wearing a kid's shirt today. I saw them walk in with a kid's shirt and I thought, I guess you'll get to hear this message later. God is calling us in to a space, and this is your opportunity to be different forever. The next 21 days, the next 28 days, exactly, that's exactly what I'm saying. That is exactly what I'm saying because there is a timing to the call and a responding to it. So over these next several days, this two and a half months, 
We're going to be inundated with prayer and fasting. And you can fast whatever you want. I was talking to someone recently, and they're like, you know, I have literally, they said, I have a, a kind of a tendency and a propensity to eating disorders. And so fasting kind of messes me up. Like it, it does a lot of bad things in my life. I'm like, then don't. We're not, we're not bragging about it. In fact, we should show up. Nobody even knows we're fasting. <laughs> we should wash our face and have a smile, right? That's what the scripture says. Yeah. Unload the things that steal your time. Unload the things that steal your focus. It used to be, I cannot wait to eat. Shall I lift the largest addiction that we have, or shall I just leave it on the table? Addiction. You know who said that? It wasn't Paul. It was Denzel Washington. I saw a clip from Denzel this week, and he said, it's an addiction. They said, really? You think it's an addiction? He said, put it down for a week and let me know. Don't pick it up for a week and let me know. I have to use my phone for work, but I don't have to use it for everything I use it for. What's the thing? If I'm a coach, what am I going to say as a coach? How serious are you? How much do you want this? What do we say? What are our three letters? GWC. That's how we lead this church, GWC. If you want to serve in this church, GWC. Do you get it? I don't care how well you play an instrument. That is not what we start with, is it? That's the C part. Can you do it? That's the C part. So you can, be the, you can sing like a bird. It doesn't matter to me a bit if the G and the W part aren't in place. Deli, true? It's in our DNA. GWC, do you get it? Do you understand the culture of this church? Do you understand what God is calling us into? Do you get it? And then once you get it, do you want it? And that means sacrifice. And again, you can be the best musician in the whole world. You can be the happiest greeter that God ever put on this earth. But if you don't want it and you don't show up and sacrifice, you're not getting that C shot. Do you get it? Do you want it? And can you do it? The message today is, do you get it? (laughs) What the Lord is calling us into. This beautiful moment of listening and just showing up and being in his presence for prayer. And then do I want it? And one, it requires some determination. So today, as we close out, who's going to be your prayer buddy? Who's going to get here with you? Who's it going to be? Like you need one. Everybody needs one. It's like a workout buddy. You know you get better results if you tell somebody what you're going to do. Do you know that? Automatically, your percentages go up. Did you know that if you have a workout buddy, your percentages continue to go up? So who are you going to tell today? We're praying these 21 days. We're going to be there Wednesday night at 7. Who are you going to tell that to? And who's going to be your prayer buddy? <laughs> Today's the 31st. Perfect day to set a resolution. And resolution is a resolve. And resolve is grit and determination. How many of you would agree with me, and this might be the biggest response we get all day. <laughs> How many of you agree that Satan might be push him back. Satan might try to put things in our way and block us. Okay, no surprise there. Why don't you stand with me and we'll pray. Sometimes when I preach a message like this, I'm so sensitive to feeling like I'm putting you down. When really my heart is to call you into something. And I think about Jesus when he says, this is the mess you are. And here's what I want to make you. And to me, that's the whole Christian life. Like, my posture is, please show me the mess I am. Please show me my blind spots. Like, that's something I just, I ask. Show me where you're calling me into spaces that I'm not going. Show me, please. That's my heart. And that's what we're reaching out for today. That place of God, what's the new space? Do I have your eyes? Am I listening to you? And thank you so much for showing me the discrepancy. The discrepancies. That's the work of your spirit to show me the discrepancies. And this is the best place to do that because there is no shame in here. 
We don't do that. Fall short, praise the Lord, you saw it, I see it, yay. And there's an opportunity over the next several weeks starting, really starting right now. And we'll carry it through on Wednesday and we'll do it next week and then 10 weeks of sermons about the miracles of Jesus. Lord, we're gonna make some promises here, some resolutions to you. You know our heart. Uh, My prayer for you right now, friend, is that you just respond to what Jesus is saying to you. My prayer is that you just respond and you just say yes to what he's saying. I'll say yes. I'll say yes, Lord. Guide us, lead us. Uh, I trust you. Help me trust you more. Just because I'm around you doesn't mean I pray. And just because I've had spiritual experiences and successes and victories in the past doesn't mean we can take care of the ones that are coming because there's a particular kind, apparently, that needs prayer and fasting. Let me remind you, when we don't do what we can do, when we can do it, later, we're not able able to do what we want to do. (laughs) So when we don't do what we can do, when we can do it, then later we're going to find we're not able to do what we want to do. And that is bring liberty and bring freedom and bring life. So in your space right here, this will be our closing prayer today. In your space, just open yourself to that. Whatever your words need to be, whatever your heart needs to be, whatever listening you need to do, we're listening to you, Jesus. We're listening to you. We're listening to the prompts. We're listening to your voice. We're listening to this tug that we feel in our heart. We thank you for 2023 in all of it. We release it and we look into this new year starting tomorrow. And thank you for this gift of posturing ourselves today to say yes to you. To say yes to you. Help us break out of habits into newness of life. Help us break out of ruts into new hills, new valleys that we walk through. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this great church. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your call. There must be something very, very special ahead of us. There must be something very, very special that you're calling us into as soldiers of the cross, as members of your body. So, Lord Jesus, help us show up so that you can equip us by the power of your spirit. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can you give thanks to the Lord? Isn't he so good? Amen. Amen.